Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Amen. I want you to turn to Romans, the 12th chapter, a very familiar verse where I'm going to start with. All of this this morning is going to be very familiar. It's just kind of a one-off. It's a, it's a, this is a reminder this morning. It's also a, a recipe. I don't know if Cynthia is here, but you know what a recipe is. When you go to bake a cake, you put together a bunch of strange elements, and if you know what you're doing, it comes out pretty good. But God has recipes throughout Scripture. He has things that are they're put together well. They produce life, the real life that is intended for us to walk in. Do remember that John 10.10 10 is still true. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus Christ said, I am come that you might have life, but have it more abundantly. Is that correct? Is that correct? He really wants us to have Zoe, eternal life, more abundantly to the full till it overflows. Hallelujah. Now, in my tenure as a Bible teacher or in my call to the ministry, one, I'm trying to figure out how to say this so I don't, well, whatever. One of my greatest frustrations is how a year goes by after year goes by after year, year goes by. And I see that people still somehow, their minds have been clouded or something, and they still don't actually realize that it is the Word of God that brings change, that brings life to any situation if you will allow its entrance. It is the Word of God. And it's difficult sometimes, like I said, because, you know, we are to be... I love what Paul said. He said, I thank God you've made me an able minister of the spirit of the New Testament, not the letter, because the letter kills, but the spirit of it brings life. In other words, it's not just hitting people over the head with a scripture, quoting a verse perfectly from the King James or from any version. It's not just quoting a verse it says that we are to be able ministers of the spirit of that scripture. Now, the spirit of it means the life that's within that verse. In other words, so we're to communicate to people the life of this truth, more than just hitting them over the head with the verse, the Bible says this. Yet, having said that, like dealing with people that are having problems in their marriage and many counseling sessions and what have you, when you're dealing with some people that are going through some really horrific situations, though they be Christians, it's, you know, it's just, it's, that's when you discover that really, even though they are Christians, they have very little revelation of the strength, the power, the might of heaven that is behind God's written word, much less his spoken word. Uh, what I mean is, I don't want to keep, you know, tell a wife where you have to get, you know, you got to stay married because it's God's will, and I can quote 30 scriptures, you know, while divorce is a sin and all this, that, and the other. But it just, it hurts when you see people, as it were, throw away actually their entire faith 
by virtue of their, their being controlled by their emotions and, and that they don't know how to yield. They don't know how to start at the beginning. In the beginning, like I taught four or five Sundays ago, the beginning, you know, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, like I said, you've heard me mention this before, but I have people come who've said, well, you know, I, my, I have no more love for this person. My love has died. And they'll say that, and they're really serious about it, and I'll tell them, well, okay, I give you the right to believe that. You have the right to say that. So I'll believe what you're saying. You believe your love for this person has literally died. Okay, but then I'll ask them this, but do, then I'll say, but do you, are you a Christian? Just when it, all, when it all comes down to things, are you actually a believer in Christ Jesus? Well, they'll go, oh yeah, I am, but you know, but well, it doesn't make any difference here because it's too late. And I said, wait a minute. I said, I said, I give you the right to say that your love is dead. But I said, are, do, are you a Christian? I need to know. And they'll say, well, yeah. And they'll say, absolutely, I'm a Christian. And I'll tell them, well, what, or ask them, I said, what's the Christian faith based upon? And they'll say, well, you know, and I, what I try to get them to, of course, is the fact that being born of, from above, being a Christian means you've made the decision to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that indeed he did take upon himself all the sins of mankind and he died, but the real strength of Christianity is to believe in three days later that he was resurrected from the dead. Hallelujah. And if the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, if he does dwell in you, the scripture says he will quicken your mortal body. He'll make you alive, make you, you'll come alive. And so what I say to them is this, I give you the right to believe that your, that your love is dead, but will you give me the right to give you the truth to tell you that my God and your God whom you say you believe in is a God who raises from the dead. In the words, okay, your love has died. God can raise your love back to life. Hallelujah. Now that's, that's all I'm trying to get at. At some point, we really have to believe in the integrity of the word of God. That this is, as the scripture said, this is not the word of a man. This is not the word of some man. And I'll read a verse later in Second Peter. This is not something that's been cleverly devised by man's wisdom. This is the word of God. And, and it, anyhow, unless you're in a position like Julie and I are, if you, or if any of you are used to counsel people, just to work with people that are hurting it really does. It, it hurts. You get heartbroken because you desperately want them to see the light. And you desperately want them to understand that you actually can exercise faith towards the promises of God. And that God will supply the answer to those promises. Because all, all the promises of God have already been answered. Yes, yea, and amen in Christ Jesus. In other words, we just simply want to get people to the truth because we can't change people. A lot of people come to church in the hope that the leadership will change them. That isn't what it is, is it? I mean, no, it's the word of God that changes you. It's when you believe, when you suddenly believe 
Only believe, Jesus said. Only believe. Just believe. And yet that word in and of itself is so, it's such a mystery. It's a great mystery to so many. Well, I believe. And you'll, you, but when you've been around this stuff long enough, you'll pick up things in people's language. Like I'm, people will say, well, I'm believing God. You know, I believe in God for a breakthrough. But see, even, you have to learn to listen. I'm believing. I'm believing. You see, if you're believing, you've never believed. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's, it's, and this is where you find out if there's real faith. If you believe what God has said, then there's a past tense to it. Where you suddenly, where the rest of your time, you're not praying so much as much as you're giving thanks. Thank you, Father, that you promised this. So I believe it's mine. In Jesus' name, nothing's going to talk me out of it. I give you thanks for it. Silly song, one of the silly songs we sing, and it's not silly, but you know what I mean. And the Lord Jesus is always yes. It's just always yes. Anyhow, so good morning. Hallelujah. By the way, before I go any further, I want to tell you that next week we have a real surprise for you. There's a prophet, a prophet coming from India. His name is, it's, wait a second. It's Robert, Robert Kumari. Supposed to be a very powerful prophet. And he's going to be, it is Robert. Oh, I'm sorry, Roberta. Oh, Bobby Kumari. Anyhow, so we have the prophetess from India. Bobby Kumari is going to be taking the Sunday service next Sunday. Hallelujah. So hallelujah for that. Amen. She said something when I asked her, and I still don't figure it out. She says, I'm going to be bricking it all the way. And I said, I emailed her back. I said, what? What's that? I don't, I don't know now what it means. So what does that mean? I, she's... Okay, we'll move on. Is that what it is? Well, anyhow, be praying for Bobby, please, and be praying for the rest of us who need to listen to her. I think she's going to talk about the, the, the something about the, the life of a teenage hedgehog or something like that. It should be very interesting. Romans 12. I'm going to go through really some very basic verses, and I'm going to go to Second Peter chapter 1. I just want you to hear something again. Forgive me for being, well, don't forgive me, just listen. Paul says, of course, Romans 12, 1, we all should be very familiar with it. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and I beg of you, please train yourself to read the Bible slowly. I say it so often, but please, 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 please. Train yourself to read the scriptures slowly and to read them out loud and to learn how to stop and look and have silas along the way. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and I beg of you in view of all the mercies of God, because he's talking about everything from Romans 3 to here. I beg of you in, all, in view of all the mercies of God, make a decisive in other words, make it one decision to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy 
devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. In other words, he said, this should just be natural to your faith. Then verse 2, we all know this one as well. But he says, I don't know, you know, this is, you can't get any clearer than this. And yet I think You've heard me say many times as Christians so often when we know particular verses so well that we actually don't know them. You know what I mean? We can quote them the moment we say turn to Romans 12 too. We yawn because we know what it says. But it says do not be conformed. What's conform mean? What's conform mean? Somebody tell me what conform means. Like to be pushed into a mold, Right? Do not be conformed to this world, this age. Don't be fashioned after, adapted to its external superficial customs. In other words, you know, you don't have to dress like everybody in the rock, 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 every one of your favorite rock star dresses. You don't have to talk like they talk. You don't have to, just don't, just, He's trying to tell us that you don't have to conform to this world. This world is going to hell in a handbag, like they say. You know what I mean? This world is corrupt. Trust me, the world outside of Christianity is corrupt. You don't have to turn on the television for, but for a moment. The things that are, that are acceptable, the things that are acceptable today in modern culture, are an absolute anathema to God. I mean, they really are. I'm not an old man. I may look it, I may walk like it, and sometimes I talk like it, but I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> but seriously, you know, I, we've given so many illustrations. I mean, I, like I said, I am not the ancient of days, but you know, when you, I, I still, it just shocks, it shocks my spirit when I see these little, little children you know, talking the way they talk, the effing and the blind and blind, just how they, they curse. So it's just part of their natural language now. And of course, that's because mom and dad talk it that way, sadly. And the way they are so uh, dishonoring to older people. I mean, you know, in my day, like I said, I am from another generation. I didn't, you know, I didn't know I was, but I is, isn't I? Mike, you and I are from another generation. You know what I mean? But honestly, I remember so well as a young child, you know, 10 years, 12 years old. It was the most, it was, you would never be, you would never be have a smart mouth in front of an, an adult. I mean, you just, you know, you just wouldn't, that's just not what you do. But today, all of that seems to be absolutely fine. And boy, could we, you know, shout off a million other examples of people who are, being pressed into a mold that the world has created for them. And the moment you bring up the scriptures, the holy word of the living God that will never, ever pass away, they call you old-fashioned. They say that you're, how, how on earth can you try to apply that to today? You know, it's, and it's just one of the things that has to dawn on you. I think that just possibly God is smarter than us that's my philosophy. And I think that when God gave some of the guidelines he gave, 
because he is the Alpha and the Omega, I think that he understood that they didn't fit just for 2,000 years ago, that they actually fit for today too. No, really, think about it for a moment. Do you think he knew what life is going to be like in the year 2017? Of course he does. But he hasn't given new chapters. <laughs> he hasn't produced new scriptures. So evidently these still apply. Okay? And he says, there is a way to not conform. There is something that's far more powerful than the television. Far more powerful than, than the fashion magazines. They're far more pop powerful than the pop stars and the way they live or whatever. He said, do not be conformed to this world, this age. Don't be fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. But be transformed. Remember the word is metamorphosis. Metamorphosized. But be transformed, changed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. By its new ideals and its new attitude. Why? So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Amen. So that's, that's something that's real easy there. Now I want you to turn to Second Peter. Like I said, we're just going to do a little mini Bible study here, and then you can go have your Big Mac. In Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 2. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Hello, Jonathan. You're a good man. Verse 2. May grace, God's favor and peace, which is perfect well-being. I mean, I, I love to study the word peace. i got to careful, be careful here. But anyhow, may grace, God's favor, and peace. The Amplified Bible defines it like this. Peace, perfect well-being. All necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. Can you imagine actually that being something that it possesses you? Absolute freedom from fear, from any agitating passion, any moral conflict. Do you think that that might be truly the will of God for you? To have that much peace? Where you, if even if you have to deal with the strife situation, that you don't get caught up in it because you have something stronger where at work in your heart, in your spirit. You have the peace of God from which you can make wise decisions. The only perspective scripture teaches that allows you to make really divinely directed decisions is from a, from a place of knowing what God's peace is so that you can know what it isn't. Anyhow, may all this prosperity, freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied to you. In other words, how does this peace come? Be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In other words, he's just saying the way this peace multiplies in your life 
Simply because it comes from your knowledge of God, your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay? Please hear me. He wants us to know him. He wants us to believe in the precepts and the power of them. For that matter, just turn, keep your finger there, and turn to Psalm 19 just for a moment, and then we'll go right back to 2 Peter. Turn to Psalm 19, verse 7. We'll start there. Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, I'm just waiting to get there. There you go. Now just listen to this. This is actually a song. I mean, all of the Psalms are songs, but this is the song we used to sing way back in the day, Teen Challenge. The law of the Lord is perfect. Everybody say perfect. Do you believe it? Okay, then you're locked on it, won't you? Hallelujah. You're also perfect, wonderful little kids. Hallelujah. The law of the Lord is perfect. It restores the whole person. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and bright, enlightening the eyes. The reverent fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold. Even than than much fine gold. They are sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned and reminded, illuminated and instructed. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his lapses and errors? Clear me from hidden and unconscious faults and keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be blameless and I shall be innocent and clear of great transgression. And he finishes it and he says, let the words of my mouth... Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my firm, impenetrable rock and my redeemer. Hallelujah. The meditation of my heart is something I have to deal with often. I don't know about you, but I have to deal with what is my heart actually meditating on. Anyhow. So we jump back up to Second Peter, go back to Second Peter, and he says that all this peace... The stuff that comes from the revelation of God's word comes from, he said, the full, it'll be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In verse 3, he begins to share, Peter begins to say again, tell us, share with us what has happened. And it says, for his divine power has bestowed, now remember that's past tense. It's not something that's going to happen once you get to heaven. In the, in the, in the right now, in the now, now, it says, for his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellence and virtue. Hallelujah. Now that's one you should say hallelujah to again. Praise God. These are things, see, I had to teach myself. I had good teachers. They said, you need to get in front of a mirror. And you need to really, this stuff needs to, again, this needs to be the message that's in your heart. So that it'll keep you from questioning things that come from the outside. No, 
God's divine power has already bestowed on Rod Anderson all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness. He's already done that. He's already done that through the knowledge of God who called me to his own glory. See, that excites my spirit. And this is what you have to learn. You have to begin to feed yourself on what excites your spirit, not what excites your flesh or not what excites your mind. Then verse 4, of course, he says, by means of these, these what? Well, these things that God's power has already bestowed upon you. By means of these, he has bestowed, now here's some more stuff that he's bestowed. He's bestowed on us his precious and exceedingly great promises so that through them, through the promises, you may escape even by flight from the moral decay, the rottenness and the corruption that is in the world because of covetous lust and greed and that you might actually become a partaker of the divine nature. Now see, Peter speaks of this as, as if it's a foregone conclusion. But in the series that I finished again on the fear of the Lord, I was trying to get to this truth over and over again. See, if you're born from above... God's nature has come into your spirit. You are, you do have, right now you're not going to have, you do have the very nature of God on the inside of you. But what has to happen is you have to learn how to partake of it. I mean, it's there. It's like having a table with all kinds of steak and all kinds of potatoes and all kinds of veg, all kinds of everything you want. And saying it's there, but you never partake of it, so you never get any energy, you never get anything, you never get any nutrition. But the divine nature is there, and this is again something you must believe. You have to, you have to make the choice. I have God's nature in me now. Hallelujah. Now that means I can pull upon it. That means, and this is one of the things that begins. To, you, it makes you know that you're saved. Now keep your finger here and go. Just again, go back to a very familiar passage. Like I said, this is all familiar. Go back to Galatians 5. We'll start at verse 22 about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it says, The work which His presence within accomplishes. Now just stop there and catch that. The work which His Spirit within you accomplishes. Again, the same, if, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then the same Spirit, I've already quoted, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He does dwell in you. Right? Ephesians 1 is where Paul tries to get that, that prayer I prayed even again, you know, that God would open the eyes of your understanding, that you might know what is the exceeding greatness of the power that is towards you because of your belief in Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Honestly, see, to me, it's, again, like I said, we do have to go over some stuff over and over again. It takes time. It takes time before you get to the place where you're not just quoting it and not just nodding your head. And when hell comes, I said, when hell comes and your mind instantly wants to faint, I don't know about you, but I have stuff come at me and I mean, I've got to catch it quick. Because otherwise, I'm telling you, that seed of doubt and fear can grow so quick. I mean, boom, man. And all of a sudden, you're already dead. You know what I mean? It's, 
you've already, your mind has gone to the place where whatever, this little sore on your foot is going to cause you to have your entire, <laughs> started to say, well, I better get mad at him. I was going to say, have your entire butt cut off and <laughs> cut your whole body in half. Sorry, the ladies on the front row were laughing, but whatever. But I mean, you know, you worry instantly, man, the worry strikes and the fear comes. But see, it's supposed to be exactly the opposite. And I tell you, even at this age and this many years of serving Jesus, I still, I'm telling you, it still comes. It still comes. The fear, the something, the, the anxiety. Oh my God, it'll try to grab you. And I have to train. I have, you have to, you do have to train yourself. It's like an athlete. You know, they don't just learn what they do. They don't do what they do just once and they get it perfect. It's because they've made a decision to train. They've made a decision to train. They've learned how to put pressure against the pressure. I've said that over and over again, but I'm telling you, it's like being in the gym. You know, the way your muscles grow, it's because you've got weight pushing down and your arm has to push up. And you just have to learn how to put pressure against the pressure. And there ain't nobody in here that doesn't have pressure come at them. But if the first, if your first response, if your first reaction is, oh my God, then you're in trouble. Your first reaction needs to be, I have my God. My God is with me. You know what I mean? Your first reaction has to just go boom. And you have to go right back to this, wait a second. I serve a God. And even what we sang this morning, not only are we chasing after him, but he's chasing after us. I mean, truly, as you walk with Christ, the greatest revelation you will ever have is how much God loves you. And boy, that takes time. This is why I love teaching the love walk so much. It's the thing I've done all my life. Because what happens when you begin to read the entire New Testament, like I, like I did over the first three or four, three and a half years in this church, and you go, I mean, just epistle after epistle, go through them in order, and you see that 95% of all the scripture talks about how we are to relate to one another, how we're to believe the best of people, we're to esteem others more than we esteem ourselves. But what suddenly strikes you, what suddenly strikes you when you're reading all this scripture about how we're to relate to one another and how we're to be generous and kind, and you suddenly realize, whoa, 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 that's, that's how God loves me. It, 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 and that's what, it goes boom. You mean, he, it's easy to say, but he really does know every one of my shortcomings? And he does. Does he actually know how many times I've made the same stupid mistake? He does. Does he really? He does. He's bailed me out before. Will he bail me out again? I don't know because he bailed me out. For, no, he will, he'll bail you out again. That's the weird thing. He not only has plan B, he's got C, D, E, F, G. He never quits. So, see, he never quits. His love is, 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 is incessant. It's, it's ravenous. I mean, you know, it's like he can't help himself. And see, that nature is in me and in you. See, this is why, again, when you teach on the love bit, the, the truth of the matter is some of us have been so hardened as years have gone by by things that happened or things that didn't happen, the betrayals, uh, the disloyalty, the broken hearts, all along the way, hopes and dreams that never came to pass. That stuff, 
happens so much that what happens, we begin to turn off because, you know, the fact of the matter is a broken heart's one of the greatest pains, again, that you'll ever feel. And so rather than ever feel that again, we train our heart not to feel. I'm never going to give all of myself again because I don't want to have that kind of hurt again, right? You've heard me teach it. But see, that's not the way of God. That's, that's the mystery of this whole thing called godliness. In every single person that's born again, there is this longing, this passion. And hell has to work overtime to quench it. But I tell you, it's still there. Because if you're still born again, which you are, you see there's still that something in there, that fire, that fire that Paul spoke to Timothy, you better, you know, learn to fan the flames. Fan the flames of that fire. Love passionately. I love, I think it's in one of the verses I'm going to read, love one another, it says with the fervently, it says have a fervent love one for another. And the word fervent literally means, when you translate it from the Greek, it means white hot. It means like a, at, at like a, a laser welder. I mean, it's just, don't just, you know, it's not just love. It's a love that's so hot that it, it just melts everything that it gets around. And we're supposed to, we're, we, us, <laughs> we're supposed to, that's supposed to be coming out of me. Some of the fruit of the Spirit, and he says, and Paul says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The work which his presence within accomplishes. So first of all, will you admit, even if you don't, but you, you need to realize, the Holy Spirit lives in my spirit. The Holy Spirit. And again, you, I, I say it all the time, but it's because I love the revelation of it. The same Holy Spirit that was in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. The one who's been there from beginning. He knows everything and he lives in me. All that wisdom, all that knowledge, it's in me. It's in me. But he said the work, the fruit, in other words, something that's going to, the trees have to grow before fruit comes. It's in a good deed. But it's in there, you see. I just want you to hear this this morning. You do have God's nature inside. Now, you, there's no such thing as having dual nature. Some people teach that. But I have to be clear. You do have still the fleshly nature in your flesh, in your flesh, in your flesh. But that's a whole different thing. That's not talking about the nature that was in, that was your spirit. No, you now have God's nature. That's it. Anyhow, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes is love. In other words, the first thing you're going to want to love. It's not fun being mean. I know, I tried it. <laughs> it's not fun being mean. But the work which his presence within accomplishes is love, joy. Do you have joy? Remember, it's a joy is a spiritual force. I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is a soulish emotion. Joy, peace. Because of the Holy Spirit within me, I got peace. Patience. Oh, I'm ever so patient, aren't I, baby? Right? Patience. And even temper, forbearance. Kindness. That's in me. Kindness is in me. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, even self-control. Hallelujah. Self-restraint against such things. There is no law that can bring a change. And those who belong to Christ Jesus the Messiah have crucified the flesh 
They've already crucified. They've learned how to crucify the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. They had to get rid of it. They had to kick that appetite and start liking something else. Hallelujah. And go back to Second Peter. I'll try to hurry now. But he says again, by, but verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Paul says, or Peter says, by means of these, he has already bestowed on us his precious and exceedingly great promises. Every promise in the scripture is yours that God gave. Hallelujah. It's not a storybook, anyhow. He's given us exceedingly great promises so that through them, those promises, you have a way of escape by flight from the moral decay, the rottenness, the corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed, and you and become actually a share and a partaker of the divine nature. You're going to learn how to partake of it. Verse 5. Here comes the recipe I spoke about in the beginning. Uh, putting all these things together. Verse 5. For this very reason, adding to your diligence, adding diligence, excuse me, adding your diligence to the divine promises... In other words, that means you hope, hopefully you need to believe them. Adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. And then in the Amplified, it says excellence, resolution in Christian energy. I like the word resolution because it speaks of having a resolve. You know what it means to have a resolve? It means you've made a decision. This is how I'm going to live. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to start 14 other things when I've never finished the first thing. I know that nobody in here fits that definition, do they? Hallelujah. No one in here has 15 books uh, that they've all read the first two chapters of. Amen? Anybody got a witness to what I'm talking about? It's, we're just like that. You, we get, and that's, it's a childlike thing. We get excited, but then something else comes, ooh, ooh, let's go here. But I'm telling you, Rod trained himself. Julie would tell you, she would walk in every morning and she says, are you reading that? You know, and I would be reading the same thing. I've had to train myself. I'm going to read this thing till it's done. You just have to have, you have to choose to have, I, that's why I love the word resolve. You know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to see this through. And this is why you better pray before you start something. You know what I mean? You better really be before the Lord and say, is this something my flesh wants to do? Is this something the Lord wants me to do? Resolve. I love the word resolve. Anyhow, so verse 5 again. Exercise. Employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue which is excellence, resolution, Christian energy. And in exercising virtue, he says, develop knowledge, intelligence. And that's like Romans 12 again. Godly intelligence. Renew your mind to the word of God because it is the word of God that's going to set you free. I can't say it any simpler. And it's not just coming to church even every Sunday and listening to somebody else preach. At some point, again, you have to take ownership that this is God's love letter to you. Listen, if you were in love, if you were actually in love with somebody, I can only imagine, I don't know why, because I haven't seen Yvette and Martin in so long, I'll pick on them for a moment. 
But I can imagine when they were courting, wherever they were courting, when Martin was running around with a loincloth in the bush of South Africa, you know, whatever he was doing. Actually, I don't like that picture in my mind right now. So I'm just going to cast that down for a moment. But, you know, Martin would write these and Yvette was waiting. Oh, Yvette is waiting for the day when she sees her Martin again. Oh, my God, she's waiting for the day. But because they can't get together just yet, Martin writes her a love letter. Now, tell me, when that love letter comes to the door, what's it, how's Yvette going to act? She's going to go, oh, it's Martin. You know, and go back to her soap opera. No, that's not that's not what Yvette does. Yvette goes, ah! you know, seems like only good God that frightened me. Did that come out of me just then? Man, I need help. Pray for me, please. But you know, she would be excited because oh my God, this person has written me this incredible, and she wants to read it now. I mean, Julie's amazing. Julie has, she's one of these, like, I don't know what you call it. Huh? Be careful? Oh, yeah. No, but I mean, Julie has kept somewhere, like, every card or letter I've ever sent to her. And every once in a while, she'll pull a card out from, like, 25 years ago. And she'll go, remember this? And I'll go, yes, I don't. I don't remember. But I say, yes, I remember this. I remember, I remember. Oh, I remember that baby. <laughs> is that even, you know, I'm thinking, is that even my handwriting, you know? <laughs> no, but anyhow, hallelujah. I'm just saying, you know, this, this, it's got to strike you. This is, this is God's, he's trying to love you, man. He's trying to kiss you. Everything you want, he's trying to get to you. Everything. Every type of fulfillment. Everything that pertains to life. I said everything. I said everything that pertains to life. There is fulfillment in Christ. The only limitations are the limits that you put on yourself. Remember. Remember that verse, where is it in Psalms where it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. And so many of us limit what God can do. No limits. There's no limits on God. Verse 6. At an exercise in knowledge, develop self-control. And an exercise in self-control, develop steadfastness. I like that word too. Steadfastness. Patience, endurance. And an exercise in steadfastness, develop Godliness and piety. And an exercise in godliness developed brotherly affection. And an exercise in brotherly affection developed Christian love. Again, you see all these, these are all, this is this recipe. He says of all of these, he says, add this and add this and then add this and then add this and then add this. And I love the fact that Amplified in every case says develop, develop this. See, it doesn't happen overnight. It develops. Fruit takes time to mature. That's all. But it's in you. That nature's there. You can partake of it every single day. 
And if the Spirit of Christ is in you, then all that stuff in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is there. Love, the joy, the peace, the calm, all of it's there. The gentleness, the meekness. But then he goes on in verse 8 and he says, For as these qualities are yours, listen, for as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, guess what they'll do? This is incredible. They will keep you from being idle or unfruitful under the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then this is verse 9 is incredibly interesting words. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him, and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. See, I don't want to be spiritually short-sighted. Short-sighted. I can see clearly from here to Astrid, but then from then on everything's a blur. I don't want that. God has perfect vision. God's in me. If I, The more I learn to lean on him, the more I develop these things and allow myself and actually, it says develop, actually go toward it and, you know, make this a decision. This is what I'm going to move toward. Rod's going to exercise himself towards godliness. I'm going to exercise myself towards being a man of God. Are you towards being a woman of God? It says, as these things happen, they'll keep you from being unfruitful. In other words, you won't, you won't be able to help yourself. You will bear fruit. Now, what that, that's great. Remember, no tree ever partakes of its own fruit. What that means is you're going to be good for humanity. People around you are going to be, going to have some nutrition. They're going to have some uplifting because of you. What's in you? What you're developing? Verse 10, because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. What a, It says, for if you do this, it says, you will never stumble or fall. Man, that's quite a statement. It says, if you do this, you will never fall. Hallelujah. To me, that's powerful. You will never fall. Thus... Verse 11, thus there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I intend always, and that's why I'm doing this this morning. So I intend always to remind you about these things, although indeed you know them and are firm in the truth that you now hold. But I think it right, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this tent, this body, to stir you up by way of remembrance. Since I know that the laying aside of this body of mine will come speedily, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Moreover, I will diligently endeavor to see to it that even after my departure and my decease, you may be able at all times to call these things to mind. Verse 16. For we were not following cleverly devised stories when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, his grandeur, his authority of sovereign power. Think about that. He said, this isn't some story we've made up. We were eyewitnesses to this. We were, I, I love First John, the first chapter, the first verse or two. It said, we're writing to you about things which we have seen and which we have watched and which we have tasted ourselves. This is real. We're talking to you about something that actually happened. We were here when it happened. That's what Peter's saying here. 
I'm going to read it again. For we were not following cleverly devised stories when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, his grandeur. Verse 17, for when he was invested with honor and glory from God the Father and a voice was borne to him by the splendid majestic glory and the bright cloud that overshadowed him, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We actually heard this voice born out of heaven for we were together with him on the holy mountain. Hallelujah. Every single day, if you'll allow me to say this, every single day can be a, a trip to the top of the holy mountain. Every single day, if you will allow yourself. See, the thing is, God's always there. God's always there. I always remember this guy sharing once. He said, you know, in ministry, when you get up sometimes, you know, your brain just faints and you lose it all and there's just nothing there. And he says, he, he said this, he said, have you ever gotten to pulpit sometimes and you knew that you were there, but you felt like your, your mind was in the Bahamas? So, you know, somewhere else totally, in other words, just totally away. And then he went on to say like this, he said, what I had to find out, he said, you know, when people say, you know, God just seems so far away from me now. You hear people say, God just seems so far away from me. And then the question, the answer always comes, well, guess who moved? Because <laughs> God didn't move. God's still right here. His holy mountain is available to us every day. His nature is within you right now. The very same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you right now. Every one of those qualities are within you right now, waiting to be developed so that you might become this perfect man in Christ, this perfect woman. Amen? Amen. Well, that is my message to you this morning. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. So, if the worship team would like to come back up. I do want to pray for you, though. I just want you to lift your hands if, if, if you need prayer in any given area. Seriously. You know, God is alive. And He does want to touch you. And so many of you have very, very real areas of pain in your heart, you know, from betrayals and things and just things didn't go the way you wanted them to. And I know that and God knows that. And of course, we could say that every single Sunday, couldn't we? But you know, he is the lover of your soul. And uh, the greatest betrayal I ever went through when I was younger in the Lord, I remember I, I, I was crying so hard, I didn't think I could cry any harder. I was, I was having convulsions. Just I couldn't cry any harder. I figured my life was over. I mean, over, done, over, done, nothing. There's no tomorrow. And, you know, it, it's, it's the most awesome thing that in those days, how God will suddenly break in. He'll just suddenly break in. And he took hold of me, you know, and simply said, out of Hebrews, you know, but he didn't, quote, you know, God doesn't quote scripture. <laughs> God loves you. And I, he just, and I just heard that simple statement. I'm here. You're not alone. I'm never going to leave you. Every day is going to be a new day. And it was as simple as that. But suddenly something shifted and I went from crying to start, I started to giggle. It was the weirdest thing. I started to giggle until I started to laugh. And then I thought I was going crazy. Because I thought, oh my God, man, so I'm flipping out now. 
But it wasn't. It's just that God's peace, the revelation that he was with me, became so strong that everything that wanted to break my heart diminished and diminished and diminished because he began to fill my heart so much that nothing else mattered. And I really realized I could take a deep breath and went, I get to start fresh every day. I have a brand new day. I have a brand new beginning. The thoughts and the plans of God for me remain wonderful. He has only good in my future. So, Father, I pray for every one of our people today, right now. And I do thank you, Father. The word of the Lord never changes. The word of the Lord never changes. Your eyes really are racing to and fro, searching for people to show yourself strong to. Spirit of the living God, balm of Gilead. I'm asking you to come now into the hearts of these people. Come afresh. Come richer. Come stronger. May they be open and receptive to the touch of heaven. May they be open and receptive right now to the balm of Gilead coming upon them, touching their hearts, filling them with everlasting joy, everlasting peace, knowing that they really are loved by the Most High Almighty God who created the very heavens and the earth. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Spirit of the living God, infuse your love upon their hearts and their minds. Touch them right now. I do pray that you would meet their every need. I pray for those who are going through struggles that you would give them the strategy. That you would give them the strategy. Because we know your word. It says there is no test, no trial, no temptation. But such is common to man. But it says you're simply faithful. Hallelujah. You will never, ever, 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 ever allow something that's too strong to come upon or come at your people. You will always provide a way of escape. You will always provide a way, it says, to a safe landing place. So I thank you for doing that right now. I thank you for the, a burst of hope and a burst of faith coming into the lives of these people in the mighty name of Jesus. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 All right, let's stand to our feet. God bless we you We believe guys. you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 